Life, life, life is a journey. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. Now, we had a year in review of music, and the music was really weird, isn't it? You know, I do have family visiting from Europe, and so it was quite interesting to ask a few questions. As I've explained many, many times before, the way you invade a nation is by culturally invading them. For those of you that have watched, enjoy the show, you understand that we infiltrate their culture. Well, Netflix. How many times have I said I'm watching my Korean or Chinese telenovelas, right? Well, apparently, we got a lot of K-pop and Chinese and Netflix in the U.S., but not so many in Europe. Even in our music, as you see, I saw some of the comments flying around. It seems like it's a mashup of K-pop. Isn't that weird? Then we throw concerts at places and infiltrate them with our amazing Hollywood and music productions before we overthrew their governments. Can you see it now? Can you see it now? Now, one would say Netflix is just an online provider. Yeah, they are. But it's just a mode. It could be Netflix. It could be a movie theater. I actually enjoy their cultural aspects. I mean, I think Koreans are the best scriptwriters. <laughs> it's like, especially when it comes to diseases and stuff and scenarios, super best scriptwriters. Well, once again, cultural infiltration doesn't happen overnight. It's not like one day everything is going to be the nation that is trying to take you over or the culture that's trying to take you over in one go. I mean, Netflix also has Brazilian and German and French shows. Uh, I actually really enjoyed one from, I think it was Lebanon. That was really awesome. And it caused a lot of turmoil in uh, Lebanon because of it, uh, you know, because the girl was dating or didn't wear her hijab or something. But it was really cool to see reality, <sighs> reality. Speaking of reality, COVID, like all this news going around with China and COVID. <laughs> Have you ever met someone from those countries? They'll tell you, I don't know what the news is saying. It's crazy. Because right now, even, my family members that are visiting are being told that this is snowmageddon, that right now we're going through hell and back. And I'm like, can you see the fake news now? Hmm? Can you see the fake news now? See, the systemic issue isn't just in our nation. We're just the ones shining a light on it. I think we need to shine bright like a diamond, a lot more. Now, speaking of infiltration and loyalty to nation, I would like us to continue where we left off with the interview that President Trump had. And the reason I say this is loyalty is a big thing and the loyalty you exert publicly or privately, is important because messages are important. Messages are really, really important. Very important, actually. Messages should be consistent. Messages should be on point. And the more I look at this, the more I'm like, oh, my God, it was just that simple. But hurtness made stuff go boom. And it's like, so there's two things here. One, 
butthurtness and self-absorbedness or task to do this. Now, I know that the person, when they get busted, they're going to be like, no, I did this so that way everybody could see. And it's like, well, I don't think that's true. Because, 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 because the wonderful thing, what's that thing? We're off to see the wizard because, 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 right? So let's continue with this interview. Like I said, don't listen to me. Don't listen to anyone, if anything. Simply listen to your president. He tells you everything you need to know. As anyone to the Jewish people in the history of the White House. And I understand your anger and I understand your questioning why the heck you're not getting the Jewish vote being loyal back to you. I get it. I'm Jewish and I get it. So I got 25% of the Jewish vote. In 2016, I got 25% of the Jewish vote. And I didn't do it for votes. I did it because it was the right thing to do. Then I did Golan Heights, which is a big deal. They were trying to get it for 60 years. I got it done in 15 minutes. I did Golan Heights, which is unbelievably important. But more importantly, I did the embassy. I did Jerusalem. In the history of the White House. Frankly, you have politicians running away from it. And it's, you know, they've got to be careful because you have uh, AOC plus three, you know, Tlaib and the group. You have a lot of people that have developed more power than Israel has. They have to be loyal to their friends. Yeah, no, I get it. Listen, I think you're as loyal as anyone to the Jewish people in the history of the White House. And I understand your anger and I understand your questioning why the heck you're not getting the Jewish vote being loyal back to you. I get it. I'm Jewish and I get it. So I got 25% of the Jewish vote in 2016. I got 25% of the Jewish vote. And I didn't do it for votes. I did it because it was the right thing to do. Then I did Golan Heights, which is a big deal. They were trying to get it for 60 years. I got it done in 15 minutes. I did Golan Heights, which is unbelievably important. But more importantly, I did the embassy. I did Jerusalem becoming the capital. I did all all. this different. I know them all. They're all great. They're all great. And then I did no. And then I did the Iran nuclear deal and terminated it, which is. Tori, why are you repeating this stuff about Israel and the Jewish vote? Yeah, let's have a conversation. So if you guys remember, I said that Yang Yang, Andrew Yang, was supposed to be coming up. And he was. Do you guys remember the anti-Semitic Yang Yang memes that were out? Do you guys remember that? I'm hoping you do. Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of inside information that nobody ever said, but I'm going to say it. So Millie Weaver was um, working on a report in regards to the Yang Gang, right? The ones that were doing all these memes, right? And it was like she was almost canceled, right, for this report. Hold on. Hold your horses. Let me remind you of this report that got her in a lot of trouble with InfoWars, and then I'll explain to you why she got in trouble with InfoWars. Well, I don't think she got in trouble. I think, you know, they were like, this is not looking good. We don't like this, and I'll tell you why. While this report was going, I was actually working with someone 
and I was like, oh, you know, it's like this. I caught Nick Fuentes doing this. Wait, you want to see bot farms? I mean, Ali Akbar actually admitted to being, but wait, wait. Let's just take a look at this report quickly. Let's remind ourselves of the work that was done by good Americans that have been trashed. Fooled. The Yang Gang is nothing like the Trump train. 2020 presidential candidate Andrew Yang seems to be garnering favor with some disappointed Trump voters. Meme campaigns and online interviews depict Yang as a moderate Democrat that both conservatives and liberals can come together on. Plus, he's promising every American adult $1,000 UBI. So what's not to like, right? If you're one of the smart people hearing this, your red flags should be going off. Andrew Yang is far from moderate. In fact, many of his policies are actually far left and completely disregard the Constitution. It seems that in his interviews, he tends to stick to discussing milder policies and saves the extreme ones for his website. His campaign slogan is Humanity First. He is heading towards requiring every profile to be linked with a government-issued ID. Think that's too far-fetched? Facebook has already purchased the ID verification technology. These two policies directly attack the First and Second Amendment, yet they only scratch the surface of his radical progressive policies. Medicare for all, equal pay, combat climate change, universal basic income, right to abortion and contraception. The list goes... A lot of people said you did good during the debate site. Do you feel glad? Uh, yeah, I feel really glad, especially after the last debate. I feel like uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to lay out my vision for the economy of the country. I feel like I did this time, so it's great. Yeah. What do you, well, what do you think about... No, no, what do you think about... Sorry, I just want one question, just one question, just one question. Okay, why do you think that we need to have a news ombudsman in America? We're just about to enter the era of deep fakes, where we're not going to be able to make heads or tails of the stuff we're seeing online. And we know the Russians have already been hacking us. Uh, it's going to get worse when literally you could have a picture of me saying words on <laughs> you know, a video, and like, it could be something that gets doctored. So we need to start having countermeasures in place. That's what I believe in it. Do you think it's really good to be policing the press, though, and speech? I'm sorry. We've got to go, guys. Do you think it's good to have a news optimist that tells you what's real news and what's not? See words. They mean the world. But here's the fun thing. Do you remember all these memes that they used to do? Well, it wasn't Yang that was doing it. They were doing it to destroy Yang. It was actually the Grapers and Ali Akbar. There were, they were on 4chan. I think it was on 4chan that there was a leak, you know, that was showing like a separate push one, they, they even split themselves up into team one and two. Team one was making the anti-Semitic memes. And then team two was the Nick Fuentes alt-right stuff, right? And so it was the same people. It was a bot farm. So Ali Akbar was deployed as a bot farm. Remember when he said, I got a lot of money to do things. This is it. Groypers, Fuentes. Oh, there's evidence of that. Wait till we see 4chan drops. You know, I'd really like that. I mean, even though the FBI has it, hence why Ali Akbar with the Department of Justice has a little bit of 
safety, even though I was right and everyone else was wrong. Everyone thought I was salty because, you know, Habsburg, you know, male prostitute for the right was attacking me like I care, right? Like I care. News is news. Don't attract my attention because when you start screaming and you bring my eyes to you, oh, heaven forbid, there will be no stone left unturned. But I did say that Ali Akbar will be the reason that they will indict and arrest President Trump. Oh, shit. 138 times his name appeared on the damn report of this faux committee. Almost like I was right again. But this isn't about me being right again. This is about showing you how horrific they are. Because why would you put anti-Semitism and alt-rightism all together? And think of it. The Israelis, they have to pick. Do they stick with the WEF and the CCP or do they choose to support President Donald J. Trump considering he's helping them liberate themselves? I mean, you got to pick. So listen to that with all that in mind now, considering that the alt-right, oh, and we all know who cast Ali because he's so open. He makes these statements online and he puts them on video because he's a great man and he uses a lot of names. So here's the thing. Do those people denounce him or do they embrace him? Because remember the plot against the president. If you actually look at screenshots of who is part of that, you'll see Ali Akbar and his boyfriend, Daniel Bostic. But then suddenly they're removed. Oh, and Haley Kennington. But then in the future, they're actually removed from that because they can't have Haley's background in there. And they can't have Ali Akbar in there because that's a problem. Like I said, it's all about proximity. They just pretend to know you well enough so they can talk shit about you to put you in a box. And this goes back, circling back to my comments yesterday. Assume that everyone is against your nation. Assume that everyone is trying to plot you and put you in a box. Assume that everyone is evil and ignore it. It's like when you enter a place that smells. You smell it at first and then you get used to it. Desensitize yourself from, are they an infiltrator? Are they going to do that? Don't care. Let them do. You're just going to keep on walking. As the bodies drop, you're just going to keep on walking steady, 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 steady. And they all fall with their pants down, with their own hands. By the way, where's Pete Santilli? We need to put out an APB on that. So let's, um, let's take a listen to this interview. The Israeli lobby 15 years was untouchable. Now it's frankly, you have politicians running away from it. And it's, you know, they've got to be careful because you have uh, AOC plus three, you know, Tlaib and the group. You have a lot of people right. that have developed more power than Israel has. They have to be loyal to their friends. Yeah, no, I get it. Listen, I think you're as loyal as anyone to the Jewish people in the history of the White House. And I understand your anger and I understand your questioning why the heck you're not getting the Jewish vote being loyal back to you. I get it. I'm Jewish and I get it. So I got 25% of the Jewish vote. 
in 2016, I got 25% of the Jewish vote. And I didn't do it for votes. I did it because it was the right thing to do. Then I did Golan right. Heights, which is a big deal. They were trying to get it for 60 years. I got it done in 15 minutes. I did Golan Heights, which is unbelievably important. But more importantly, I did the embassy. I did Jerusalem becoming the capital. I did I all, all of this different. Look, I know them all. And then They're I all did great. They're all great. And then I did, no, and then I did the Iran nuclear deal and terminated it, which is was probably the most valuable thing I did, if you want, because they want to they want to terminate Israel. So I did the Iran nuclear deal, and then a guy calls me up who I know, who's been very good to me. You know, he was on Tucker Carlson the other day, a couple of months ago, saying Trump is great, and he wanted to have dinner because I think he needed help, because he needs help, but I think he needed oh, help. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden they say, oh, I'm having dinner with him, and he's an anti-Semite. Now, how am I supposed to know he's an anti-Semite, if he is an anti-Semite? He didn't express that to me, by the way, but if he is. So all of a sudden, no, no, we've got to have more loyalty. Yeah, no, I get it. Listen, Obama sat in the pew of an anti-Semite for 20 years, giving lectures at his church, Reverend Wright, and nobody ever (laughs) said a word about it. The media, liberals, no one. You have one dinner with a stranger, and the whole world's against you. Let me get to point number two that I get letters all the time about. Why we, we know you don't like Mitch McConnell, but why do you stand with Kevin McCarthy or Ronan McDaniel? That's another two I get all the time, but we don't understand why. Because to me, I don't like them either, like McConnell, to me. But you tell me. Go ahead. I'll, I'll tell you. Look, first of all, uh, I think Kevin uh, has really worked hard. I think perhaps most importantly, we're playing a very dangerous game. We have a majority of uh, literally a few votes, a few votes, and you could end up with somebody uh, just horrible. You could end up with a horrible speaker, including possibly a Democrat speaker. So they're playing a very dangerous game. You know, I could tell you a lot about, look, I know so much about this particular thing, but they're playing a very, very dangerous game. They really are. I get very it. Dangerous I get it. He's game. better than the worst case scenario. But you know that at times McCarthy stabbed you in the back. So, no, so when he does he did. that, I, I don't mean, like I understand him. that. I yeah. understand that. I mean, he does it again. Right, well, right. fight back and all this stuff. But and it's possibly will. You know, I mean, I get life. I get the way it works. But we are in a situation where, you know, a couple of votes and you're going to have people. We had a guy named Boehner. You know, he was a crying guy. I watched yeah, him the John other day Boehner, crying yeah. all over the Terrible. place. I've never seen. I don't think <laughs> I've ever seen anything like it. He was crying like a baby. Every time they asked him a question, he broke down. But we had him and they didn't want him and they got him out. And then they couldn't make the right deal. And they ended up with Paul Ryan, who was ten times worse. Okay, ten times worse. Yeah. He's the worst. And well, they're he was all, a they horrible, all suck is what it comes He was down a horrible to. speaker. Why, and, why? you know, that stuff could happen again. It could. But it seems like all our Republican leaders, they're all weak and feckless and cowardly, except well, they, you. The worst, why we, the worst we have is Mitch McConnell. I mean, Mitch McConnell is the worst. Yeah. And what I well, really I with that. am disappointed in, he was so nice to me. For two years, and he was just as nice as you could be, and he was running and he was losing, and he asked for my endorsement. And instead of running somebody in the primary against him in Kentucky, which likes me and I like them, I didn't do that. I didn't run. I should have run somebody in the primary. But for two, two and a half years, he was so nice. So I gave him the endorsement, and he went up 20 points, and he won. And then as soon as he won, it was like, uh, you know, just ridiculous it was ridiculous but he's, he's bad sna- he's, he's a, so bad he's for the snake. country and he's so bad for the party 
Right. Well, it's D.C. You know what they say. If you want a friend, get a dog. They're all snakes. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah, no, he's you bad You snakes news. and vipers. All right, last question, because I, I, I promised you I'd keep this tight. Last question, and again, you know, I'm with you all the way, 110%, but you and I disagree right. on one issue, the vaccines. But I tell right. people all the time, it doesn't matter, because number one, you're the greatest economic president of my lifetime, and economy's number one for me. And number two, you're against mandates, so nobody would right. ever have to take it against their will. So right. I just want to get you on record saying, if you're president again in 2024, for all those people that keep writing me letters, saying, how can you support President Trump when you don't believe in the vaccines, Wayne, and he does? I just want to get this literally out there for everybody. You would not well, all, mandate vaccines. Yeah, that's true. Well, and I didn't. And even more so, and you know, didn't. I had governors. I had governors that, you know, being going with a federalist program. But some of these governors, more so than Florida, more so than anybody, some of these governors kept their states open, and they didn't mandate at all, right. and that was okay with me. Right. I didn't make the mandate. That's now right. they make a mandate. You know, with, right. with Biden, they make a mandate, but I didn't do that. And my attitude was, if they want to take them, they can take them. If they don't want to take them, but right. I did provide them in nine months instead of five years or 12 years. They said it was going to take it. I got it done by the FDA in nine months. And I have to say, Wayne, there are people that say I saved in the world i saved a hundred million lives a hundred million people it. died in 1917 and they say this would have been worse i saved a hundred million it, lives a, there are people now you know you look at different I reports and some reports are glowing and some yes. aren't but i got it done in nine uh, months I, listen, instead of but i didn't make people take them if they didn't want to take them they didn't have to and i right. had governors All, who kept their states open Literally, if you look at Tennessee, if you look at South Carolina, uh, South Dakota, right. I mean, we had states that Florida. never closed, and they never mandated because I never made the mandate. Right. No, that's good. I just want to make sure you're on record. You're not for mandates, and you would never mandate a child to get this vaccine. No. You never mandate no. the military. The military. I actually think the children vaccine. shouldn't have them. I, the children don't need them. You know, with the stronger right. immune systems, right. the children don't need them. I think that's terrible what they're doing and with the, the children. But I, I did not right. mandate. I wouldn't mandate. And the military. And I made it possible for governors not to mandate, too. And I made it possible for governors to keep their states open. Now, the right. Democrats didn't do the that. Military. They had this crazy plan of I closing heard, up the states. I heard you say clearly and loudly that anyone in the military who lost their job was kicked out of the military because they wouldn't vaccinate. You think they should get their job back and get back pay. So that's great. That's right. That's a great yeah, thing. Yeah, that's part of a plot. So, that's part of my platform. They get their back, they get back pay. They should not, that should not have right. happened. Our military, our military has such potential. What they're doing to our military with this woke nonsense is horrible. Yes. Afghanistan was such an embarrassment to our country. It was incredible. And look at me. I took out ISIS. I took out 100% of the ISIS caliphate. Quickly. Knocked out al-Baghdadi. Knocked out Soleimani. Nobody's done more, and nobody's done more in many ways. But when you talk about Israel, and I know you're very close to Israel, when you talk about Israel, just the fact that I knocked out ISIS, and I look, you know, take a look at what I did. Nobody's right. done that. Nobody, and that's 100% and, and, of ISIS. Now they're trying to rebuild listen, ISIS, again. ISIS and the Iran Treaty alone make you the greatest leader ever for Israel, and that includes the leaders of Israel. So I'm with you, but I care about America most 
by far, yep. and America first, and you're the best America first president ever. We're gonna we're gonna call it, uh, you know, goodbye for today. But we'll have you back again soon. I want to wish you and Melania and all your kids a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I appreciate all you do, and I pray to God you're back again. I wish before 24, I wish there was a way to get you tomorrow because the election was stolen and we need yeah. you back. Merry yeah. Christmas, well, yeah, You happen to be Merry right Christmas. about that. Thank you very much, Wayne. I'll talk to you soon. Have a great year. Have a great year. Have a great year, Wayne. That's what's up. Have a great year. Well, I was thinking that we just hop into Title 42 again because we need to get into the 12th Amendment, too. Not to gloat or anything, but not to say, but, you know, Title 42 is upheld. There's a saying, what is it called? Um, For the eyes of the world. I mean, you can't tell bad people what you're doing. You obviously throw some disinfo in the mix. You make it seem like it is so. What? Hold on. Hello, Darren. How are you? Hello, Mr. President. Nice talking to you. Good guy. Good guy. Great, great. Good work. Great talking there with you, Mr. There President. aren't enough of us, Darren. That's, <laughs> there aren't enough of us. The deep state and intelligence agencies clearly don't want you back on Twitter, and some say that even Elon doesn't want you back because he's worried that you'd unseat him as the most popular tweeter. And I was notice, noticing that. But who could have believed it was the FBI and it was the government of the United States doing it? Now, looking back at it, you know, two years later, it's it's really been corrupt. And now you add the FBI scandal. Does it make sense, Darren, that the FBI scandal seems to be almost bigger than anything else having to do with a corrupt election? Does that make sense to you? That's well, you've got guys regime. like Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell no. is such a disaster <laughs> for the Republican Party and for the country. The moonwalk, he said, we're the best dancers in the world. Nobody's even close. And yet, we can't moonwalk as well as Michael Jackson. They were asking him, <laughs> what do you do? How do you do it? And you bravely praised Revolver News' work on the federal government's likely role in the January 6th sure. operation. Do you think the full extent of this federal involvement will ever come to light? And why are most Republicans scared to death to touch this particular issue? You know, you don't hear those stories. I tell you, and I tell Revolver, I have a lot of respect for Revolver. I, I Thank think you. you've done a, a great job. You, you tread you. on territory that nobody else wants to touch, even though it's very touchable. <laughs> I mean, it's the yeah. stuff that people want to hear about. Ooh, wow. We always tread on things that people don't want to talk about, right? We always do. Every single one of us. Because we've been talking about the FBI involvement. We've been talking about DHS. We've been talking about the Ministry of Truth. And as you understand, Yang was behind that too. You mean the left. And why don't Republicans want to talk about it? Because they were part of it. See, in this Axios article here where they have this huge report, all you have to do is 154 pages. Ali Akbar's name comes up 138 plus times. Also says that after they left, so they don't look like they're involved, people were texting him and his maker, right? 
oh, we're doing this. Oh, we're doing that. But, you know, he'd take a picture somewhere else like, I'm not involved. Look at me. I don't disavow this. But he's getting play-by-play. Here's where we're going through. Here's where we're planning. Here's what we're going to do. It's almost as if they took accurate information about a coup that the federal government was doing, you know, the one that we had actually flown down to D.C. to tell them about, the one that Millie and I had been shouting from the mountaintops in the fall before the elections. Some people on the right thought, well, maybe we can take that, silence the bitches, because we're going to take that information and we're going to run a coup on a kill so we can really catch them. How'd that work out? Cover-up is worse than the crime. We should always remember that. Now, we did talk about Title 42 yesterday, and yesterday, in a 5-4 decision where Neil Grosser actually sided with the liberals, they said <clears throat> that they're going to uphold it. Nope, we're not letting these migrants in. We're not going to let them in. Disease, done. You know, you can't play the disease card, but then let disease run rampant in through your borders. So it's really, really weird. Now, last Tuesday, the Department of Homeland Security said agents had moved more than 3,400 immigrants, illegal migrants, migrants, oops, what am I allowed to say? I don't know. Out of El Paso over the past week by expelling them to Mexico under Title 42 or flying them back to their home country. So we're all paying for airline tickets and gas. Super green, you know. Agents had also moved 6,000 illegal migrant aliens, border jumpers, whatever, from the area to other sectors where immigration officials process them. Oh, and by the way, we gave them cell phones so they can check in and we can track them. Wait, did they literally say that they gave them cell phones to track them? Are you saying that the cell phone in your pocket is a tracking device? No. So anyway, the request from the Coalition of States for the Supreme Court to weigh in came after Judge Emmett Sullivan of the U.S. District Court in Washington, D.C. Why is he still on a bench? Ruled last month that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's use of the order, which removes migrants from the U.S. without allowing them to access asylum, is arbitrary and car. Oh, my gosh. Why is this guy on a bench? Someone strip him of his robe and give him an orange jumpsuit. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. <sighs> what can you say? You know, we had Zelensky come and address the House of Representatives looking like he just stepped out of, you know, Amber Crombie and French. <laughs> Speaking of which, we need to talk about Les Wexner. <laughs> but that'll be tomorrow. But he goes and speaks with all these high-level WEF and UN officials looking spiffy and smart. Remember, he wasn't a poor guy. He wasn't a teacher. He was a businessman, an actual businessman with an actual business. He was a Ukrainian oligarch. But for some reason, that story just went away, and they just focused on the acting part, which was like a gig to set everyone up and psyop them into thinking that he's some poor guy that's just an actor and ran when he's a oligarch. <laughs> and then people are thinking Ukraine, 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 war, Russia, 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 Russia. Well, hold on a second. So does Ukraine own the U.S. because they've got all the dirt on the U.S.? 
Or is it that Ukraine has the dirt on everybody else, so they're like, give us or whatever? It's so confusing and so muddled, but we'll sort that out, I don't know, maybe like next week or something, because we've got other things to talk about. So uh, another weird thing is, is that the Supreme Court just asked, stop, asked judges, speaking of Supreme Court, from considering acquitted conduct during sentencing. So a jury had convicted, uh, had convicted the Atona McClinton of robbing a CVS pharmacy, but acquitted him for murder. Okay. And a judge gave McClinton an extra 13 years for the murder anyway. And in courtrooms across the country, defendants are getting additional prison time for crimes that juries found them that they didn't commit. So the Supreme Court has now been asked again to put an end to that practice. And this is really important. Um, it's possible that Kentonji Brown could hold the pivotal vote. Because if you were found that you didn't commit murder, but then the judge is like, I'm just tacking it on for killing the person, but I was acquitted. I don't care. I'm still giving it to you. That kind of sounds a little bit iffy right there. And we could see a lot of this stuff happening in J6, I'm just saying. And uh, in fact, sentencing a defendant for what's called acquitted conduct has been ongoing. It's like a immoral thing that judges do and don't stick by the law. And it has been going on for a while uh, based on a 1990s case. And in fact, the Supreme Court justices have turned down a ton of cases that have filed, like, you know, how I filed in the Supreme Court. When you file it, they're like, yeah, we're not looking at it. And they just, no. And they, you know, bar it. Well, this is the first time that the, that, that this might be taken up because the closest one was when Antonin Scalia, Clarence Thomas, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, provided three of the four votes necessary to hear the case, you know, to have a conference. But it didn't make the cut. And Scalia in the dissent from the court's decision to reject the hearing of that in the conference, he said that, um, you know, it was just it's gone on long enough. This is how they punish their political enemies or people that they want to make an example of or to save face for the district attorney or U.S. attorney prosecuting so they don't fail. Right. And so. Allowing judges to rely on acquitted or uncharged conduct to impose higher sentences than they otherwise would impose seems dubious, an infringement of rights, and due process to a jury trial. That's what Kavanaugh wrote in 2015. Now, Kentaji Jackson, who previously served on the U.S. Sentencing Commission, may provide the fourth vote to take up the issue. And... um a guy named Berman, who's an expert on sentencing at Ohio State University Law School, said that that could be it. She's someone we have good reason to believe would be troubled by such actions. Let me think. Can we count? I'd like to see the chat, so I'll pause since there's a 30-second delay. I want you guys to tell me how many justices has President Trump changed. But Kintaji doesn't count. Stop. From the minute he took office, how many justices have been replaced? Oh, wait. I want to see the numbers. How many total justices we have? How many total justices do we have on the bench? Nine. By the time President Trump actually leaves 
the political office, every single one of them will be replaced, except for one. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Now, uh, let's get back to Title 42. Fox, no, Newsmax um, did a report uh, yesterday that I was going to show. I'll show it to you now. Obviously, it's moved, but I want you to see what Fox says about this. Oh, no, not Fox. Newsmax, same thing. All bought. Let's go. Fate of Title 42 hangs in the hands of the Supreme Court today. They will decide whether or not to keep that COVID-era public health measure in place or let it expire at midnight tonight. Either way, it would not be good news at the southern border. Things would go from bad to even worse down there if it does expire tonight. Joining us now for more, somebody who knows a whole lot about the topic, Texas Congressman and member of the House Armed Services and Oversight and Reform Committees, Pat Fallon. Congressman, good morning. Good to see you. Good morning, Rob. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Uh, Happy New Year. On our way to that, but a busy week uh, here between the two holidays. What do you think happens tonight? Do you think the Supreme Court steps in and extends Title 42? Have you heard anything uh, that would that would mean that could happen? Or do you think it's rolled back tonight and, and things get worse at the border tomorrow? Well, if the Supreme Court were to consult me, Rob, I would I would tell them, please, you know, keep the policy in place because we want from a crisis to a catastrophe, and now we're bordering on collapse. So, Rob, consider this. We, in our history, never had more than 200,000 people cross the border illegally in a given month. Under Joe Biden, we've had nine months in a row. Wow. That is startling. We've had almost over 5 million people cross the border under his watch, and it's so much worse. Uh, like under President Trump, in April, uh, the last April that President Trump was in office, compared to Visit this last April, it's 1,258 percent worse. 234,000 illegal crossers. That's what it was in November as well. So, and th- there's just no answer from this administration. They are perfectly fine with a de facto open border. Uh, Joe Biden's literally heading to the beach today. He's flying to to St. Croix in the Virgin Islands for a Caribbean vacation. Um, while this while this is going on here, um, do you think this issue, the border issue, and and Congressman, we've been we've been talking about this. For two years, do you think this issue is is reaching kitchen tables across America? You know, Rob, I really do. And I think that's why we need to pass comprehensive border security legislation out of the House once the adults in the room, the GOP majority, take over next week. And it sounds so great to say that next week. Yeah, seven days. Uh, (laughs) In Texas, we have 24 or 25, rather, GOP members of Congress. And we got together and put uh, together a package which encompasses, is very comprehensive, it has 40 pieces of legislation in it that would help secure the border. Now, I think we can pass a lot of that out of the House. Now, what Chuck Schumer and the Democrats do with it in the Senate is on them. And if they don't take this issue seriously, because it is a catastrophe reaching collapse, then they're going to have to answer uh, for it at the ballot box come 2024. Okay, so 200 and I think the number is 226 members of Congress that voted by proxy on Friday for this $1.7 trillion debacle of an omnibus spending bill. Not a single dollar will address border security in this bill. How does a bill like that pass in good conscience? And look, I know people wanted to get home and and celebrate Christmas with their families, but I mean, come on. So let's go. Let's talk Turkey. And again, tell the American people the truth. At the last minute, the lame duck Democrats tried to shove down our throats a 4,155 
page bill that includes 787 with a B billion dollars, Rob, of non-emergency discretionary spending. So what's in this package? Uh, more, some of the more egregious things that I noticed. And by the way, it's impossible to read 4,155 pages in, of, uh, you know, appropriations language in two and a half days. Right. How about $12 billion for the IRS? $12 billion additional dollars when this agency just got $80 billion in what I call the Inflation Enhancement Act. $65 million to the UN Work and Relief Agency. And this place has a, a, a history of promoting pro-terrorism and anti-Semitic materials and producing it and disseminating it. Three billion dollars or three million dollars for a bee friendly highway. Right. Three million dollars for an LBGTQ museum in New York. I could go on and on. Yeah. It was a piece of garbage and I voted I didn't even vote no, Rob, I voted hell no. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, a lot of people voted from home. I, I the last thing that Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger did in Congress was was vote for this. Uh, so those are the Republicans in the House um, that voted for, I think, something like seven Republicans in Congress voted for this uh, this spending bill. We'll see what happens tonight, Congressman, and we look forward to getting your reaction real soon. If I don't see you, have a happy new year. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Happy New Year. Oh, thank you. Uh, 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 so I, I knew that they were going to uphold it anyway. Um, may have a guest drop in soon. May have a guest drop in soon. So let's shift a couple gears before we get into the lessons from our favorite liberal history teacher. Let's see what Fox News has to say about the 12th Amendment. It's a quite interesting amendment, an amendment that Pence and Pelosi ran to block. <laughs> um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see the Democrats use the same weapons. Oh, that President Trump wasn't allowed to use does three things, all of which may appeal to voters who believe there's too much abuse of power in elected offices. Take a look. Here's what it would do if 60% of the voters approve. It would ban politicians from lobbying their former elected offices for six years after their last term expires. It also would ban judges from lobbying the legislative or executive branches for six years after leaving the bench. And it would ban politicians and their staffs from personal gains through their official positions. This measure was placed on the ballot by the Constitution Revision Commission. The idea is to oh. prevent the revolving oh, Tori, door what did you do? That's not the right 12th Amendment. My bad. I made a boo-boo. Or did I? Let's go to the 12th Amendment explained. I think we need to do that. Maybe we should go through it line by line. I watch these guys. I'm a patron of theirs. Sometimes. Sometimes they, you know, we don't agree with everything. Here we go. And welcome back to the Constitution line by line. You're in for a special treat on this particular episode. It's the 12th Amendment. 
I have my friend Paul Fabrizio, who teaches political science. I'm Don Frazier. I teach history. And the Twelfth Amendment is a mouthful. You're being polite. I'm being polite. So you have quite a long run-on sentence to share with our audience. I do. So sit back, relax. Yeah, get the popcorn, grab your bottle of water. You're going to need it. Uh, This is all about the Electoral College. Oh, the Electoral College. I've never heard of it. Are you a graduate? I should have brought my shirt for the Electoral (laughs) College. I have a shirt. I blew it. I apologize. But the Electoral College keeps coming up. It does every four years. Every four years when people feel like they didn't get their way. That's right. And, you know, it's usually the opposition to the whatever the ruling regime is. And, ah, the yes. Electoral College. Or I, the Electoral College thwarts the will of the people. Yes, you know, the, will, the poor people are always left out. Right. Okay. This is part of the Constitution. Okay. And it came about for a very simple reason. That's the election of 1800. Well, the reforms are. The reforms. Yeah, which is what we're about to read. Yes. We've already read in Article 2 of the Constitution the beginnings of the Electoral College, the way it was originally set up, but it clearly didn't work by the election of 1800. It was imperfect. It was imperfect. You're being polite. The nastiest election in American history was the election of 1800, which is, when you think about elections, that's saying something. That's saying something. So, the bloodless revolution... Almost wasn't. Yes. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. The now, cliffhanger. Sit back, relax. I'll read this as quick as I can. All right. The electors shall meet in their respective states and vote by ballot for president and vice president, one of whom at least shall not be an inhabitant of the same state with themselves. They shall name in their ballots the person voted for president and in distinct ballots the person voted for as vice president And they shall make distinct lists of all persons voted for as president and of all persons voted for as vice president and of the number of votes for each, which list they shall sign and certify and transmit sealed to the seat of government of the United States, directed to the president of the Senate. The president of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and the House of Representatives, Open all the certificates, and all votes shall then be counted. The person having the greatest number of votes for president shall be president. If some number shall be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed. Majority, not a plurality. And if no person shall have a majority, then from the persons having the highest numbers, not exceeding three, on the list of those voted for as president, the House of Representatives shall choose immediately by ballot the president. But in choosing the president, the vote shall be taken by states the representatives from each state having one vote. A quorum for this purpose shall consist of a member or members from two-thirds of the states, and a majority of all states shall be necessary to a choice. Period. That's one sentence. (laughs) Next. Keeps on going. And if the House of Representatives shall not choose a president... Whenever the right of choice shall devolve upon them before the fourth day of March next following, then the vice president shall act as president, as in the case of death or constitutional or other constitutional disability of the president. By the way, that sentence has been changed 
by the 20th and 25th Amendments of the Constitution. Which we'll get which to Which we'll later. get to. And I still continue with the 12th Amendment. The person having the greatest number of votes as, president, as vice president shall be the vice president if such number be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed. And if no person shall have a majority, then from the two highest numbers on the list, the Senate shall choose the vice president. A quorum for the purpose shall consist of two-thirds of the whole numbers of senators, and a majority of the whole number shall be necessary to a choice. But no person constitutionally ineligible for the office of president shall be eligible to that of vice president of the United States. Okay. So about the best I can tell from all that, the only thing that's really changed is we're now voting for president and vice president. Yes. Now, in the original, yeah, explain. In the original document, it was first runner-up was vice president. And that was a beautiful system where all men were angels. But politics leads to some nastiness. Right. And double-dealing and backstabbing and meanness. And so all of a sudden you had a situation where you had a president with a vice president that he loathed. Yes, and we're talking about? Aaron Burr. Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr yes. elected in the election of 1800. I mean, who was John Adams's vice president? <laughs> Thomas Jefferson is what I'm thinking. Yeah, well, let's let's consult the gods of Cupertino if you don't mind. <laughs> Google. Yes. And well, we're about to give me a second. I'm not. I can't type as fast as my children. It's Thomas it Jefferson. Our thanks to Bethany. Yeah. Yay, Bethany. Helps to be to have a young, facile mind. Yeah, exactly. So Adams I, I, and Jefferson, who weren't exactly chummy, no, they did later on in their career. Right, they actually really did not like each other. Going back to the first Washington the administration, yeah. where they started to have differences of opinion, and that expanded. And so you could see the the deterioration going on. What made Burr's so tragic was that Jefferson trusted him mm -hmm. and Burr betrayed him. Mm -hmm. And so then all of a sudden everybody's going to look, you know, Adams and TJ, that didn't work out so well. Now you've got Jefferson and Burr, that's really ugly. And then Burr does all sorts of other nefarious things, not just shooting Hamilton, but, mm -hmm. you know, other things like hanging out at Blennerhassett Island and thinking about what a interesting middle continent republic might look like it's called treason well they never hung it on him. i know they never got him on it but it sure smelled like it and so all of a sudden you have this political situation this political process by by where you have people that are going to end up hating each other by the end of the election yes. having to work with each other so how that manifests itself is the vice president became a do-nothing job. Right. You go to funerals. Mm-hmm. And um, that's right. kind of how it is. And you're, you're waiting in the wings for the president to die. Right. And we need to add to this. It's, it's not just a personal thing. Um, there was personal conflicts. But the leaders had followers. 
Yeah. And what it led to was political parties. Well, correct. I mean, ultimately, this leads to political parties. Yeah, so in essence, the disputes between the leaders were beyond just personal, I don't like the I don't like you, you don't like me. It's my faction doesn't like your your faction. faction. And there's reasons for it we don't like. This way you're going about governing, we don't like the, what you're trying to reach over here in our relationships with France. And so that led then to the creation of what the framers were most scared of, which was factions, political parties. Yeah. And they had created the Electoral College. Remember, they mistrusted or they didn't trust the tyranny of the majority. Some mistrusted John Adams. (laughs) So as a consequence, they created the Electoral College to have this group of esteemed electors who would elect the president. Kind of cool off the passions of the election. Right. But they didn't anticipate that there would be institutionalized, organized groups of people who would be arguing with each other, who would fight over fundamentals. And yeah. that's what our political parties started as. That's what Washington was four square against political parties. Now, now, what's interesting is that Washington was was against them, but they were forming in his own administration. Why, well, he was watching. Yeah. And I don't like what's going on here, but I just don't know what how to fix it. And, and the framers to the Constitution, they were so focused – on this pie-in-the-sky ideal that there would be no parties, totally ignoring the fact that there were the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists in their midst when they were going about creating the There were factions in Independence Hall. Yeah, so there were factions there, and they just refused to accept it. Because they were looking at North-South issues. Right. And they weren't really thinking about East-West issues. <laughs> they weren't thinking about political parties. Yeah. Right, or issues that would d- divide Virginia and divide yeah. New York and d- all that other stuff. So what we've got really was a natural development of what was already there. Correct. And a codification of what had evolved. And the framers um, created the Electoral College, but then the people who had to actually govern said, well, how do we fix the Electoral College? It wasn't get rid of the Electoral College, yeah. by the way. It was how do we fix it? How do we tweak it? How do we tweak it? And, and it's all about vice president and the president being from the same faction. Right. Is what it finally boils down And to. also they couldn't be from the same state. Yeah, correct. And so... What we got is we're going to continue the Electoral College, and we're going to create this new way. And they did it pretty quickly when you look at things. Uh, this amendment was proposed December 8, 1803. The election was 1800. Yep. And then it was ratified uh, nine months later, September 25, 1804. <laughs> so everybody pretty much said, uh, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we're going to do this, and we're going to do it before the November election. Yeah, before the next election. Yeah, again. so we're going to get this done. So this is something that I think a lot of people thought, we need to do this. We made a mistake. Yeah. And I think it's important because most of these people who were involved were the framers of the Constitution. Yeah, I mean, we're still talking about that framing generation. There. Yeah. This the founding is, generation. This is their handiwork, and they realized they had made a mistake, and so they needed to fix it. And so here we are, basically... Took them 12, about you know, 15 dec- years. Yeah, I was about to say, a decade and a half to get to this point. And we've already had two amendments to the Constitution. 
Beyond the original. Beyond the, beyond the original one. So we've got the Bill of Rights. But afterwards, once we started governing and electing, well, there's some problems that developed, and so we need to fix it. So two amendments, I would argue, came pretty quickly. Yeah. Now, Uh-oh. we're done with the 12th. Yeah, I don't know what else to say yeah. about them. We got the Electoral College. That it's, is the way we elect presidents. It's States are important. But the next ones... Oh, the Civil War amendments. uh, Fundamental shifts in the relationship of the federal government to the states. Can't wait. All right. We'll talk about that next time. How awesome are they? I uh, I am a Patreon. I love their content. And I think that covered a lot of bases of what we're going to see and what there is to see. But I thought that maybe we could just take a quick break and um, kind of just, you know, just listen to some music and uh, just ponder on things. Hey, brother, do you still believe in one another? Hey, sister, do you still believe in love, I wonder? Oh, if the sky is falling down for you, there's nothing in this world that wouldn't do. But if I'm far from home, oh brother, I will hear you call. What if I lose it all, oh sister, I will help you out. If the sky comes falling down for you, there's nothing in this world I wouldn't do. What's up, guys? Thanks for watching that video. If you liked it, make sure you hit that like button, add it to your favorites, and subscribe if you haven't already. I wouldn't claim to be the best snowboarder in the world. Isn't it weird how YouTube is just constantly buffering this video? I mean, we've already downloaded it. It's no point. I don't understand. I was just asking a question during intermission. Where was he going? Or, better yet, where was he coming from? It's just a question. We should always be best. And it's always nice to see videos from back in the day that say just so much where people are kind of like, hmm, what was that? How did I miss that? So interesting. Well, on that note, the buffering is not me. It is boob tube. So let's get rid of the video. So that way they don't constantly show the circle of death. So weird. It is really weird, isn't it? I find it very concerning that we got the circle of death just because we were playing a video. Just a simple video. Now, <clears throat> Twelfth Amendment is quite interessante. And I think the best way to showcase that is with hip hues. Just to give it a good review before I have an unexpected guest just to join us to kind of just chit chat and see what's going on. Always interesting to hear from other people, perspectives, and news. 
Hey guys, welcome to Hip Hughes History. We're going to bang up some 12th Amendment for you guys and fix some of the boo-boos that the Founding Fathers made in the original Constitution. What are you talking about, Mr. Hughes? They were perfect. Maybe not perfect, perfect. All right, here we go, guys. We're not going to read this constitutional amendment like we do some of the others. It's pretty wordy. We're just going to kind of write down the lane explain it to you. This is meant to fix the problems of the Electoral College. Yeah, guys, there's problems with Article 2, Section 1, Clause 3. Um, the Electoral College, the process for electing the president. And uh, these problems arise both in 1796 and in 1800. So why don't we take a look at those two elections and then we'll kind of briefly explain what the 12th Amendment's going to do to fix those problems and then we're going to go have a fantastic day of learning and growing as young people and lifelong learners on the internet. All right, so let's start with 1796. The way that the constitutional process works um, before the 12th Amendment is basically that each elector votes for two people. The two people he thinks Bestest would be the bestest president. Um, today, we know that they vote for president and vice president. But basically, the way the system works back then is after they would count all the electoral votes, the guy that had first place would be the president, and the guy in second place would be vice president. So basically, there's a kind of electoral scheming going on between the electors to make sure that the guy in second place is of the same party to be the vice president for the president. So in 1796, you have John Adams, the Federalist, who is uh, now running to replace the retiring George Washington. And he chooses uh, Tom Pinckney to be his vice president, another Federalist. They like blood brothers. And then you have Thomas Jefferson and his vice president, I think it's Aaron Burr. They're the Democratic Republicans. So what was supposed to occur was only like, a, like one guy, I think, one elector, is supposed to throw his vote away. So every other Federalist votes, you know, um, John Adams, Thomas Pinckney. And then uh, one of them is supposed to vote their vote away, like give it to Jefferson or something. So the guy in second place would be a Federalist, Thomas Pickney. And the problem is they don't communicate very well, and a number of them do that. So what occurs? You get Thomas Jefferson in second place. So for four years, um, and it's the only time in American history that this has really happened, you have two opposing parties that don't want to work together that are the president and the vice president of the United States. And I think that this uh, is freaking people out. Maybe not be, you know, back then because Thomas Jefferson's a cool cat, but in the future, if you have this recurring situation where the vice president has a, you know, a benefit if the president drops dead, namely he'll become president, you know, you have like a house of cards situation. You have like a Kevin Spacey scheming thing going on there. So that's the first problem. Uh, the president and the vice president aren't running on the same ticket. So let's look at 1800. All right, 1800 is the problem of the tie, because if everybody does their duty, if everybody votes the way that they're supposed to vote, then you'd end up with a tie, because whoever the president would be, the, the, the vice president, their second choice, would have the same number of votes. So somebody's got to throw their vote away, otherwise it doesn't work. So in 1800, you have Thomas Jefferson um, and Aaron Burr running against John Adams, and this time it's you know heavily favored to be the Democratic-Republicans. Somebody's got to throw their vote away. Somebody's not going to vote for Aaron Burr, right? Wrong. They all vote Jefferson Burr. 
So you end up in a tie, and it gets thrown into the House of Reps. The problem that gets further compounded, because it's not the new Congress that elects the president, and then it would be no problem because the Democratic and Republicans had a banner year in 1800. It's the old Federalist Congress. And those sons of you know what? They don't want to give Jefferson the presidency. So they go through, what, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 35, 36 rounds trying to choose the president. Um, at the end of the day, it's Alexander Hamilton, who's the hero of the situation, who convinces his federal federalists that it's uh, best that they make sure that Jefferson gets the presidency. Let bygones be bygones. Um, he knows that Aaron Burr is a more dangerous choice um, than Thomas Jefferson. But now we have to fix these problems, all right? We're going to fix them because i got something called the Twelfth Amendment. So the Twelfth Amendment, at the end of the day, it's really long, guys. At the end of the day, it's going to have two distinct ballots for the presidency and the vice presidency. So when the electors are casting their votes, they don't have to worry about ties, who comes in second, all this nonsense. It'll be the ticket that wins, and we don't have to worry about all this nonsense. Um, you do still have this favorite son clause, though. And what this clause is, it's also in the original Constitution, that um, if you're an elector from Texas, you're not allowed to choose a president and vice president that are both from Texas. This was supposed to stop, um, like, the favorite son syndrome, that every state would just elect people from their state. The only time this has ever been of any concern was in 2000. Um, there were, I believe, some suits that came up in the court system after Bush and Cheney won, because technically uh, Cheney was living in Texas for five or six years before the election. Um, so technically, according to the 12th Amendment, the people in Texas, the electors from Texas, should not have been able to vote for Bush and Cheney. But the courts ruled that he changed his uh, license the last couple weeks before the election. But that's in that amendment. So having the president and the vice president also is going to stop that problem of ties um, or anything occurring like that happened in 1800. Um, and now, basically what occurs is like the Electoral College, after we have the election, it goes to a joint session of Congress where the vice president acting as president of the Senate is the official counter of the Electoral College. Um, and then if nobody gets the majority of votes, this is still the same, it gets thrown into the House of Reps for the presidency. Um, rather than having five from the list, which is in the original Constitution, um, the 12th Amendment says that there will be three from the list. Um, this becomes important in 1824. In 1824, I don't want to go on a tangent on YouTube, but it's a pretty cool story. In 1824, you have four big Democratic Republicans running. You have Andrew Jackson, you have John Quincy Adams, you have William Crawford, and you have Henry Clay. And these four guys, nobody gets the Electoral College win. So the top three, which are going to be Jackson, Adams, um, and Crawford, they go to the House of Reps. Crawford's really sick, so he doesn't count anymore. So the Congress, the House of Reps, has to choose between um, John Quincy Adams, who kind of lost the election, the popular vote, and this new kid on the block, Andrew Jackson. Well, it happens to be that Henry Clay who's the fourth guy who's not in the Situation Room anymore, he supposedly strikes what's called the corrupt bargain with John Quincy Adams. Um, Henry Clay was the Speaker of the House. He had enormous influence in the House of Reps, and he gathers his forces, and in 1824, they all line up behind John Quincy Adams, and John Quincy Adams steals the election from Andrew Jackson. Um, and then when uh, John Quincy Adams has to choose his Secretary of State, I wonder who's he going to choose? Henry Clay, what are you doing? 
corrupt bargain, like House of Cards, like Kevin Spacey. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, that's basically it, guys. That's the 12th Amendment for you. No more president and vice presidents of opposing parties. We're going to have one ticket, and we're going to elect those bad boys together. Giddy up for the learning, guys. If you haven't checked out Hip Hughes History, why don't you click on that teacher's face? I think that's one of the teachers out there that shows my videos sometimes. So click his face, and you'll zip off to Hip Hughes History, where you'll find like 300 videos, and you subscribe for free. That's my favorite liberal teacher. And he breaks it down, and I'm pretty sure a lot of you um, understood what the previous discussion on the 12th Amendment was. Now, let me welcome a friend that is incredible and that I love, and you all know that, um, so we can have some discussion and see what's going on. Patrick? Oh, my gosh, your hair looks amazing. Why, I love you. I love it. You look great. How are you? Good, good, good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Merry I mean, Christmas. We, we've lost track of each other for several weeks. I've been overseas. Yeah, I know. I'm so jealous. Mm. I'm so jealous. I'm good. I have uh, family visiting from Greece. Oh. Um, well, yeah, my cousin is thinking of migrating back here uh, to the States. And so came to take a look so that my niece, who's actually named after me, um, is placed in a good school environment and they're kind of checking it out and she's, you know, her husband's trying to convince her because he's the American. Yeah, we should come back here. And I'm like, dude, come back. I have someone to, you know, family, family, blood. It's good. So, yeah. Listen, I assume I've missed so many of your shows and uh, I've been overseas, but I thought that I, uh, I'm sure we, our reactions are some things are the same. What do we, uh, what do we think of the heist in uh so Carrie, Carrie Lake found out that she can't file a lawsuit for the phony machines before the election because it's premature. And between the election and a month later, she can't file it because it hasn't been certified. Yep. And then once it's been certified, she gets a few days to get a skimpy look at evidence, puts together an overwhelming a, a case showing overwhelming Lee, this thing is an abortion of an election. And still, the judge says, well, you didn't prove it beyond, you know, to, to a high level of proof, and therefore it stands. It's basically a recipe for how corruption can take over any county. If you just go hard and you do it, I mean, it's, it's crazy. What do you think? No, no, I know. I mean, I saw all of them because I haven't been doing many shows because I am feeling a bit under the weather, right? Uh, but I actually binge watched all of the trial videos and I think Kurt did awesome. Prefer yeah, he did awesome. Preferably, I would have went the quo warranto way, to be honest, because that would have been rocket docketed to SCOTUS because they would have went to the highest court of Arizona and say, all right, Katie Hobbs, show me under what authority have you attained this position? And then it would have been the burden on her to, to show it. And with skimpy evidence could have been introduced. This is an extraordinary writ, but you know, I like to be frisky. That's what I'm not a lawyer. I'm just telling you what I would have done, you know, chess wise, right. Game wise. But well, what you said, here's, our, here's how uh, my, the, the right by which I have it. I just won this certified election. Right. Pardon? She could have said that and say, okay, can you show me how you certified it? Remember when I filed my lawsuit? You talk to the people who certified it. Yeah. But you know, when I ran for office, right? I ran and obviously that gave me standing. And the main question that I had put to the Supreme Court, which by the way is being, it's in conference January 6th, by the way, my case. Is it? Yeah, it is. Along with Brunson? Yep, along with um, NSO, too. 
NSO group, What's Q that? Technologies, they're at SCOTUS too, same day. What's that? Pegasus. What's that? Pegasus. Oh. Yeah. That's actually being discussed on J6 too. Pretty interesting day, right? Well, that's Who's just here? It is interesting. It is a Friday, and it's unusual mm. for them to schedule conference on Fridays. Right. Well, and it's January 6th, and it's so ominous. I mean, whatever. But what I had asked was, hey, the state law says that I can observe the counting of the ballots. The votes, sorry, the counting of the votes. By definition, you're supposed to see one plus one equals two. Well, if they're done in a black box and I can't see it counting, then I should be able to observe the source code. That's the angle that I used. Obviously, it wasn't expedited, which is fine, because I'm just asking for equal opportunity come 2023. We have a lot of people that break off the GOP and the DNC, and they run. They will have the ability to observe the counting of the ballots. That'd be nice, although I have got to tell you, I think the whole third-party way is a mistake. I know that's your way. I don't agree with it. I think no party way is the way. There's a political science proof about why it can never work. Basically, there's always room for for N plus one parties. And in a parliamentary system, N might be five, and then you can have five serious parties, in which case you can have five serious uh, parties that can have uh, power in, in parliament. So six is the maximum number of parties that can actually get any traction. And in our world, it's one, and so N is N plus one equals two. Any, any attempt. Yeah, that's the way we set it up, though. Yeah, but that's the way we set it up. The core of this, you know, to fix things, you always start at the beginning. And today, earlier, I showed these two dorky professors that I love watching, and I'm their Patreon, right? May not have a lot to go around, but when, you know, my subscribers subscribe to me on Subscribestar, I subscribe to people that make content. So these dorky professors are analyzing this and they took it back to the really disgusting bloodless war of 1800 with the second administration of Washington and how the two party system came to be. And the thing is, we have reinforced the idea of a party system and created a whole corporate, in, uh, a whole there's a whole infrastructure of taking money like a pyramid scheme, almost like insurance companies, right? In regards to our elections. And basically, they've even come out on the record. I don't remember who it was from the RNC that says, no, the people don't pick who it is. We, the party, pick. And it's like, wait a minute, stop. You know, and that's the way it is. Yeah, you can tell me all kinds of things that are wrong and objectionable about it. But I'm just telling you, the H. Ross pros of the world give us the Bill Clintons. Well, well, see, see, I will challenge you on that. Because if we can get rid of FEC versus Citizens United and throw that shit out... Literally, if we can if, throw it out, the then there's no had, corporate funding. If the, queen had them, if, the, if the queen had them, there's a whole bunch of ifs. But in the world we live in right now, any the, the Democrats would be applaud any attempt by patriots to create a third party. Because all it will do is will give us it'll. We don't need a third party, Patrick. We need no party. And the only way to destroy the corporate infrastructure is one to actually have these people go out and talk to people. Listen. I was put on the ballot 40 days before the election, literally. I was omitted from every single voter list. Across the state, you know how they mail out voter lists? Organizations? I know you were right. cheating. You were no, cheating. I'm it you doesn't matter. I'm just trying to tell you. I'm just trying to tell you. With all of that against me, in the world that we are today, right, I still got 1.07%. That's yeah. a big deal. How so? Oh, well, how is it not so? With no, My name was nowhere on it. 
Nowhere, yeah. except for the ballot. I'm just saying it's a big deal. So what I'm trying to say is I'm not saying we need a third party. I'm not saying we need five or six. I'm saying we need to go back to the beginning where there's no party and it's the person representing the people. We are completely underrepresented in, in the House and in the Senate. It's not enough for the bodies that we have. Back then it was. And if we read the Constitution, it goes so. But we need to restructure the way we do things. And right now we're in a bloodless civil war, just like we were in the 1800s. And rather than pacify the sides, I think the people need to rise up and do more. And, you know, President Trump in his bullet points made it clear of how we can clear the air, right? And my listeners have been amazing. They all sent data retention letters to every single social media company and government agency pertaining to their social media accounts and said, look, we're looking at possibly filing a class action suit or a lawsuit. Any anyone who's communicated using my information, you know, you need to retain those records. And they sent it to the DOJ, ODNI, NSA, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all of them and said, hold the records. Do not destroy that information because you know what's funny? You remember at J6 how the banks just gave away people's data? Yes. Why didn't anyone sue the banks? The banks can't give away your information, uh, you know, freely without a warrant specific to you. There's laws about that, right? And I check with my bank and they already responded to me that they didn't. And someone would say they would lie. And that's not true because when I caught another bank that gave my records, they couldn't lie. They said, let me consult our legal people. That's when you know. And so that's something that the people could do. They could sue the crap out of Bank of America, Chase and all of them, and then find memorandums of understanding and agreements with their banks and the feds and DHS. You think Twitter files is bad? Wait till we pull out the money. Patrick, it's going to be insane. All they have to do, one person who was there that has Bank of America could say, tell me, did you give my records to the FBI? And if they say yes, that's a lawsuit. Maybe. Maybe. Without a subpoena, a proper subpoena, how do they circumvent that? Maybe, maybe. Well, are you going from your intuition or from a knowledge of the law? From the knowledge of the law, because I went through that. Remember that, Patrick? In North Dakota, they gave away my banking records. Oh. With no, they got a subpoena, but it wasn't a valid subpoena. FERPA, too. That's coming okay. for me. What so, do we have? Do we have? I, I, I've just sent you a text. Can you check your text? I've got a time constraint. I should have warned you. Right, yeah, no. So uh, tell, let's not talk about this stuff. Let's no, talk let's about- talk about what's going on. You tell me, like, what are you working on? What are you doing? I mean, I'm doing my thing and full speed ahead. I got a big lawsuit coming, but I can't say who. We are going through. Uh, uh, we are very big on the border security. I do feel the medical tyranny issue has it's not resolved. But how good that, you know, the, the one group we didn't win for last year was the military. We held off for some of them. But all of our, you and mine and all the people were involved, we had a whole bunch of COVID cases. I know that your listeners got a whole, added a whole bunch of cases and weight to that. It all got to the Supreme Court. I kind of felt we won sort of 80, 85 percent. We missed the military and we had some, uh, we didn't, I was sad we didn't protect them. But as of yesterday... Well, as of a couple of weeks ago, there's been no more real. As of yesterday, the max vax mandate's over for the military. So I feel that's a huge victory. We got this. If it had not been for our efforts, I think there would be uh, the that vax mandate. You know, we, that's one thing that this movement and you were a big part of it accomplished last year was 
jujitsing all, all those vax mandates. They're they're not part of America right now again anymore. Well, we're not finished yet. I'm in the Sixth Circuit actually right now about that. So you remember when I was filing pro se lawsuits and everyone was about the vax and mask mandates, right? So the argument that I made was we have to go pro se and not with lawyers so that the parents have the right to defend their kids. Well, now yeah. I'm at the Sixth Circuit and I'm asking the Sixth Circuit, wait a minute, the federal judge said that parents don't have the right to represent their kids if they don't have a lawyer. But ad litems don't apply. So are you saying the kids of families that make less than a quarter million a year are not afforded civil liberties? And that's a very good question because we need to change the law because it's not just the COVID vaccine. We have other things down the pipeline. I mean, my daughter didn't do sports because they needed kids to do to have the vaccine. Uh, right. Like and, and yeah, so we're still we're still fighting on it. And I am so grateful for the things that you're fighting on. Carrie Lake, you know, her appeal, she's going to get it. I mean, they're asking for sanctions. It means they're desperate. But the one thing I ask everyone in Arizona, turn down, just, you know, the judge turned down sanctions. So Kurt doesn't face sanctions. Well, he's they are, he didn't do anything wrong. They're going. Well, in addition, right. in addition to your belief that he did nothing wrong, it's good news this morning that the court has actually rejected the sanctions argument. So that's not a, a concern. Uh, and I know that he's getting, I've communicated with him today, he's getting his, his appeal ready to file tomorrow. I'm excited. I'm really, really excited. Is that you? Yeah, it is. I'm going to have to pop off. You got to go. You got to go. I got to run. I'll Good see you in a couple weeks. I love your hair. Thank bye you. Bye bye, my love. Bye bye. Bye. Always amazing to see Patrick. Always amazing to hear. Now, that was excellent that he pointed it out. I want to tell you guys about the sadness that people feel about judges. And listen just very carefully to what I'm going to tell you here. Judges, they fear to take on the responsibility of ruling against majority opinion. And I say this and you're going to say, well, that's chicken, chicken squat. They are chicken squat. That's the way it is. They are chicken shit. Okay. So what the judge did in Carrie Lake's case was pass the buck to the appeals. I mean, that's perfect. I mean, at the end of the day, it's got to reach the highest court of the land. That's how you make things work. That's how you make change. That's how you change the law. You change the law by making change, right? And this is how you do it. Kind of like, like he said, the majority of you helped with these vax mandates, but it doesn't stop there. Well, they'll give you the win for now until they can take over stronger later. And that is what's important. Important is to change the law, to make law. We write our future and nobody else does. We are the masters of our future, not those that seek to impose their ideas on us. Now, as you remember, uh, you know, a, a lot of people have been focusing on Ray Epps. Yeah, okay, focus. But that's not the grand scheme of things. They keep talking about just the FBI. But what if I told you about the FBI? Something I said about Peter Strzok. Most people in the FBI these days are not actually FBI they are clandestine agents working internally for other agencies that are claimed to be FBI agents. Now, one thing I wanted to pose to Patrick, which I've said to you in Arizona, all of you in Arizona listening, 
is you should all take a look at the laws of your state. First, identify and see, and maybe you can reach out to legislators within your state and ask, can someone holding state office in the state of Arizona also hold a quasi-official or official federal office? Now, to anyone that I've posed this to, they turn around and say, no, 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 the Constitution blocks it. You can't have that. Well, that's not true because in Ohio, Katie Hobbs' counterpart, Frank LaRose, is legit a federal agent and a state agent. How does that work? Oh, well, state legislators made that law. Well, that law is also illegal. Just because they made it a law doesn't mean that it stands true to time. So people of Arizona should be asking themselves, is Katie Hobbs also a federal agent for DHS? Remember, Isaac, right, and Albert, that shit's run by Frank LaRose. I did show you the Zoom call with all the Secretary of States and him and Katie. (laughs) This is how you run your own elections. It breaks my heart that in the state of Ohio that there are so many patriots, but no one actually thought, hey, I can use, and I've said this in November, which Gateway Pundit just made it news, which is really weird, but I said this in November. Why hasn't anyone sued Frank LaRose for breaking the law? The Supreme Court of Ohio clearly said he broke the law. Clearly, those were the words, disregard for the law, and say, you know, we are filing a grievance. We want him removed from office and anyone who made a law that says that he could also be a federal agent. He did that because he gets to run his own elections. See, it's always about putting a laser-focused argument. If you want to eat an elephant, you can't devour it. you got to eat it bit by bit. And bit by bit means setting the stage. You know, like our elections are shit. So what do we do first? We destroy the narrative that we only can have a two-party system. We should have a no-party system. We should have a people system. We don't need confetti and balloons and people telling us, well, we as a party decide. Fuck you. The people decide. See, that's, that's the notion. We don't need a third party. We don't need four, five, six, ten. We need one of the people. Now, you know, funny thing, there are a lot of court cases right now going on in various states. A lot of people don't know this because they're kind of in the shadows. I was reached out to by four individuals over Christmas asking me to help them with their lawsuits. These are big lawsuits in states about election integrity. Turns out my affidavit is the only one that stands true to time. Refers to Isaac, refers to the fact that the government is running the elections, refers to sound arguments as to why we shouldn't use the machine, refers to how the machines weren't certified, hence the source code, right? And it refers to the fact how the people have no power and how we've been executing this in other nations. So I think, you know, in having a discussion with Gavin, and even with these very big lawyers, the one thing they don't understand is, well, no one ever targeted your actual affidavit. They just targeted you. And that's what raised the flags to the dream team that's trying to take this out and trying to fix this. My affidavit stands on its own. 
and it doesn't need anything. And when talking with Gavin, he's like, all you have to do is say something nice about Tory, and then you can follow the source, almost like following the source to COVID. If you actually take the source, if you try to go to the source of COVID, you're going to see that the first reporting of COVID came from Voice of America. Yes. They're the ones that put in the Chinese TikToks. They're the ones that told you about COVID. It was like a movie, almost like a production. If you want to find the solution to your problem, you always start at the beginning. And so when you look at things, let's take it to the beginning. Suddenly things unravel and the truth is laid bare. A lot of people have gone on to say, oh, this is happening, that's happening. I think I should show this video and I'm trying to find it. Give me one moment. Because I think General Flynn made it clear. And it's like, yeah, he did. He kind of totally made it clear. Um, let's find it. Where is it? It was a video I saw. On truth, where he's having a conversation. Let me see where it is. I, did I retruth it? I think I did. I think I did. Please tell me I did. I haven't figured out how to find my retruth things. Gosh darn it, it's not there. He just did an interview where he told people, no one's coming to save you. You need to be doing it. You were always the plan. And I'm trying to find it because it was really weird. I'm trying to find it. I'm just retruthing as I'm searching. Anybody find that one? Let me see. Maybe I put it in Telegram because it was a really good post. Because I wanted to end it on that. Hold on, still looking. Pretty sure someone's emailing me. Let me see. Trying to see. Gosh darn it. It was a really good snippet of that interview. And I'm super trying to find it. Wait, did someone find it for me? No, that's not it. Anyway, it was along the lines of him saying that no one's coming to save you. It's all about the people, and it's going to be sorted out through the courts. It's not the military. And then I saw people saying, oh, but I thought the military was the only way. No. The military was the only way to bring attention to the COVID mandates. See, it's one thing when they push things upon the people, and they're able to do these things. But... It's another thing when they push it on the military, who we adore, right? That's what we need to look at. I just have to say, I know for a fact that 2023, boy, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be challenging a few things. And the thing is, we got to focus on territories. How many times have I said in all wars, borders are drawn and redrawn, erased and reconfigured. We do not need that. Well, there are some places that we completely lost that broke off from the convention. But it's important that we remember 
how that goes. I have to say, right now what we're seeing is huge panic. Huge panic from the majority of the politicians. And that's party independent, right? Doesn't matter what party they're at. They're in full swing panic mode. And it's not because of what's coming. I mean, they can't avoid what's coming. We all know what's coming. It's how they can't avoid losing control to the people. And that's exactly what they've done. They've lost control of the people. I guess maybe that's why people that are empowering people are getting targeted even harder. And that makes sense. I would do the same thing. Hey, you're stealing my leash. Give it back. But, you know, it is what it is. Now, I'm going to end it today. I want to keep it short of two hours. But I thought the most important thing to say Stop falling into rabbit holes and focus on yourself. You do not need anyone to tell you how to think. You do not need a leader, and more so, you do not need a master. Shed the idea that someone must lead you and understand that you're more than a leader than those that claim they are. Your data retention letters are key. When President Trump files his lawsuit, you will be able to piggyback on that the minute he goes through the motion to dismiss and ride that wave with a class action suit that completely wrecks Section 230. While he's in the process, your process will be faster because you've already sent out your own retention letters. You know, I see so many people, so many pessimists. Oh, my God, nothing's done. Sending letters is stupid. And it's like, all right, so just roll over and die. Why are you here? How do you call yourself MAGA patriot, ultra MAGA, put all these things when you're sitting there saying we can't do anything? We're obviously doing something. We're obviously doing something. It's um, One thing that I love is creating walls. And I say this, you know, it reminds me of a kindergarten story. I don't know if I've ever told you the time that I, that sounds so bad though, but I was like five years old. I was in kindergarten. I was in love with this guy named Fernando Fernandez. Guys, if you see a picture of him, like no offense, Fernando, if you're listening, right? I mean, there's so many Fernando Fernandez in New York, so whatever, right? But he had like a fluff stash at five years old and one thing that he loved was like, um, I liked his Doritos. I wanted to eat his Doritos, but I really liked him. I had a crush on him. Even though I was a nerd and nobody played with me. So while everyone went to play, I stayed in my kindergarten class and I played with the blocks. And so I told him, hey, could you lay down so I could build a pyramid? And they literally boxed him into the pyramid. So that way I could go to where we all hung up our stuff in the closet room. And I took his Doritos and sat right outside the one opening he had. And these were big blocks. They weren't like little blocks. They were big blocks. So if he got up, he knew it would hurt because we've all gotten hurt with those blocks. You know, back then, kids weren't treated with kid gloves. You fall, you hurt. It's like suck it up. So he just stayed there and he could see me eating his Doritos. And I was like, well, you know, I, I love that boy. 
But I realized that sometimes you can put someone in a box to get what you want. And that's how young I was. It sounds so bad, doesn't it? I mean, it wasn't even fair, but he had like no chance. I wanted those Doritos. But um, I can tell you that building boxes or building cages for people is quite difficult, especially when they're not supposed to know you're building a cage. See, Fernando was a willing participant. He laid down so I can get the structure of the length of his body, and I built it up. And I told him that I would tell him to stand up. But while I was chatting with him and distracting him, I closed him in. Now, when you're building a box to box in, I don't know, bad people, you know, you can't tell them what you're doing. And sometimes you have to misdirect them. But then sometimes you're misdirecting them so much and they know that what you said is bullshit that when you're coming out straight forward and you're like, I gotcha, they just don't believe it. That's one. The other one is you're building the boxes around them with um, little things like laser focus things like equal protection. And then you go for the next step and the next step, kind of like mask mandates. And then you're like, uh. so they're like, oh, mask mandates. We're going to win this one. But that wasn't the reason, was it? That's not why we filed them, pro se, was it? I mean, we said it, but no one was listening because I was arguing mask mandates and box mandates. But what was our target? Our target was having the rights as parents to represent our kids. And now they're in a box because is the court really going to say that children of, of the unfortunate, the ones that have no money, the ones living on welfare, don't have civil liberties? I mean, that would upset the left a lot. They'd be like, poor kids have no rights? Oh, shoot. I guess now we don't have to do any vaccines considering parents have rights. You see how that works? You build a box, and while they think you're going for, I don't know, to just get the body, right? You're distracting them with things they know, and they're laughing at you. We got control. We got this. We got the CDC. We got the media. Yeah, but I got the left that's going to be real pissed if in court papers you say that kids that don't have money are not allowed have rights. I mean, could you imagine the left? And that's a boxing. See, I love to build walls around corruption. And I hope that the things that I'm showing you and, 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 and demonstrating helps. Really helps. And because if you want to win... You don't win by charging like a bull with your horns, no matter how big and how deadly your horns are. What you do is you dance around and you kind of bring it in somehow. You bring it in to the way you want. Again, all of your lawsuits will be cited in the Supreme Court case because I really think that the Sixth Circuit is going to pass it on to the Supreme Court because we need to make it law of the land that no one owns our children except for us. And again, I stress this. No one has rights over your kids unless you let them. So 
And I'd really love to see the left explain away how poor kids have no civil liberties or how they're going to say, well, some parents are just dumb, so they shouldn't represent their kids. Well, if the parents are dumb and they can't represent their kids, then those kids have no civil liberties. You see where I'm going with this? Uh Uh-huh. And this is where you make change the right way. Remember that. Don't let anyone tell you different. Now, I'll let you go with 20 years of hits in five minutes. God bless.